You're listening to Ari Snapshots, where each fortnight we chat about the science behind the weeds and decode some of the trickier concepts which crop up. In this interview, we're chatting with Dr. Imoni Pori, who is the laboratory head for herbicide target and weed resistance research at BASF in Germany. He is currently in Australia and is visiting Ari, which is very exciting. So in this chat, we're going to focus on Imoni's current work in the weeds resistance space and find out a bit about what he's been up to. How are you going? Thank you very much. You're going very good. How about yourself? Yeah, very good. Lovely to have an international visitor. It's not something that we've had the privilege for with COVID and all of that. So it's great to be able to have people coming and visiting us on campus. So you've collaborated quite significantly with ARIG over several years, uh, working on peroxisulfone resistance in ryegrass, as well as work on symethylene and multiple herbicide resistant ryegrass. Can you give us a bit of a synopsis of the work you've done with ARI to date? So first of all, I would like to say that it's very nice to be here because I spent a couple of years working here at the University of Western Australia and working also with Steve Powells and Roberto Buzzi. One of our major work with uh, Roberto was basically characterizing a paroxysulfone resistant population of Lolium rigidum. And we basically, you know, did a lot of experiment, uh, mostly molecular biology based, and we found actually an enzyme which was able to degrade the pyroxysulfone, and this was the major cause of resistance. So it was an excellent uh, work, and it, it was actually uh, my first couple of experiments on herbicide resistance research. So it all started here in Perth. Can you give a bit more detail on the the papers that were connected to this uh, research that came about because of your collaborations with Ari? Yeah, so one of the things after the paroxysulfone uh, resistance project, one of the things we were interested on uh, collaborating with Ari uh, was basically and still is um, a resistance monitoring on for one of the, our top herbicide called simethylene. So basically, we are in contact daily with Roberto. Roberto is doing and organizing a large screening of re- putative resistant biotypes that he collects all over Australia. He brings uh, those uh, seeds of these putative resistant biotypes. He tests in the greenhouse, and we actually want to know if there is any resistance popping up. For for our herbicide, which is semethylene. And the collaboration is going great. Roberto is a great scientist. Uh, Steve uh, supports this a lot. And so I'm really grateful to, uh, to Harry to provide us with their expertise. And uh, it's very nice collaboration. And I expect to continue collaborating with the Harry for the next uh, future and for many, many, many years to come. Excellent. And that's really awesome to hear that you've got such a proactive approach in, you know, keeping on top of resistance and, you know, you can then act accordingly. Now, uh, one of your latest papers looks at PPO mutations. Can you firstly just give us a reminder of what a PPO mutation is and explain this work and, and what you found? Yeah. So, obviously, uh, I concentrate a lot of my research activities on BSF products because we want to let's say, protect our products as much as we can. And uh, one of the projects I have with Harry is focused mostly on C-methylene, but we are also active on another class of herbicide called PPO herbicides. These are herbicides that basically block an enzyme called protoporphyrinogen oxidase, which is an enzyme required to produce protoporphyrin, 
which is a substrate for chlorophyll and hemobiosynthesis. So it's a very important class of herbicides. They're very powerful. They have broad spectrum. Some of them, they're very selective. And in this particular um, work, I was trying to understand whether one or more mutations in the gene encoding for the PPO target enzymes are actually possible if they can happen in the same plant, if, it can, if they can happen on the same chromosome. And uh, the results of this um, study was quite interesting because uh, what we saw is that when you have uh, more than one mutation occurring the same protein, the same gene that encodes for the target protein, actually the protein is completely inactive. So basically, if the protein is inactive, you won't have evolution of herbicide resistance because the plant needs this protein in order to survive. So it was a quite important message because, you know, there have been quite few double target site mutation for other mode of actions herbicides but for the case of PPO I would say that most of this double target site mutation will result in protein inactivation so they won't be very problematic in terms of herbicide resistance. That's really interesting and you've worked across several weed plant species in your research can you talk us through because obviously you're based in Germany but you're on top of what's happening in terms of resistance in other parts of the world with the collaborate collaborations you've got like Ari but what are some of the parallels that you've found between resistance issues in Australia compared to Europe and, and elsewhere if you wanted to comment? So weeds are incredible plants because they have such a high genome plasticity you know some weeds they have multiple copy of the same gene they duplicate uh, genes all around the genome all over the genome and uh, what i learned uh, now i'm working in the field of herbicide resistance for the last seven years what i heard is what i learned is that you know herbicide resistance will evolve sooner or later weeds will always evolve resistance mechanism because this is actually an evolution process. So you basically are putting a lot of selective pressure on weeds by using the herbicide and you select for those mutations that are favorable for herbicide resistance. So I think there are many parallels, but I think in general, weeds have the ability to adapt very well and to have a high genome plasticity and this make weeds very prone for target site mutation but also for non-target site resistance uh, mechanism that allowed uh, that allowed them basically to evolve herbicide resistance so it's just a matter of time herbicides resistance will evolve what we can do from you know from a management perspective is that we can integrate uh, different tools together with the chemical management tools in order to make our herbicide lasting long long time yeah excellent it does definitely it kind of reminds me of you know the endless possibilities you have in the game of chess you're like constantly having to evolve your chess game with the weeds because you need to keep on top of uh the moves that they're making so no that's very interesting and let's talk about what you're currently working on can you walk us through what your focus is at the moment yeah, so at the moment I focused on our top herbicides uh, in terms of 
predicting herbicide resistance. We try to do things also in a very proactive way, which means that we want to know if resistance can evolve even before the product is on the market. Of course, we have herbicides that are in the early phase, which I cannot disclose at the moment, but our major herbicides are uh, obviously C-methylene, glufosinate, and PPO. Especially for PPO, we have a new product called the Tyrexor, which was launched in Australia, I think, already one year ago. And it's a PPO herbicide. So these are uh, the three herbicides I'm currently focusing on. And uh, in the case of uh, trifluidimoxazine, we try to be very proactive. And tomorrow I'm going to give a talk at Curtin University where I, I will explain how to use biochemical tools in order to understand whether resistance to a certain herbicide, such as trifluidimoxazine, can evolve or not. So we're trying to be a little bit proactive, but obviously we have uh, herbicides that are already in the market for a few years, such as glufosinate, and there uh, our activities are mostly monitoring what's the situation in terms of resistance, and once we find the resistance case, we try to characterize the biotype and try to understand what is causing resistance. This allows us basically to define specific stewardship guidelines in order to prevent or even mitigate resistance. Okay, for example, if we know that a certain resistance is, you know, conferred by a certain gene, then we can use another herbicide in the mixture with glufosinate in order basically to kill the resistant weed. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And it's awesome to hear from a company perspective that you have these strategies in place and that stewardship is really key to what you do as well. And, you know, that's what we're always advocating through Ari and Weed Smart. And the listeners to this podcast would have heard us talk on this topic a lot. But I think it is really interesting and refreshing and, and helpful to hear it from a company representative point of view that you really are also advocating for those diverse tactics. And there's obviously challenges in certain markets in getting those practices adopted but have you got some comments around diverse tactics to prevent herbicide resistance from evolving yeah so i think chemicals are needed uh, in order to have uh, a sufficient and uh, um, reliable weed control but i always say you know i've been visiting brazil for five weeks uh, in October and November 2022 and I had the chance there to talk to some farmers and you know they clearly have tools to control weeds including herbicides and what I always tell to the farmers is that okay if you have herbicide use it if it's working good use it but always integrate the use of chemicals, the use of herbicide with our agronomical practices. And this can include the crop rotation, for example, or soil cultivation, or the use of um, uh, uh, seeds harvesting machines. So it's important always to associate the use of the chemicals with other integrated tools, because our interest also from a company's perspective is that when we bring a product to the market, we want that the product is going to last long, 10, 20, 30 years or even more. And so obviously the use of chemicals is important, but in order to keep the herbicide working on the long term, you have definitely have to implement and integrate other agronomical practices. We're here for the long term, so it's a really important message to keep uh, getting out there. And so what do you think, broadly speaking, should be the focus for weed resistance research going forward in your sort of realm of research? Is there something that you think should be focused on more in the future or an area of research you would like to be expanded upon? 
Yeah, I think there are a couple of things that we could be important in the future. The one aspect is to use uh, double-strand RNA in order to target um, potential herbicide target genes. So instead of using the chemicals, you can use double-strand RNA that can target your target gene and uh, and basically uh, yeah and basically control the weeds with that tool. So that's an interesting option. Uh, I think there are companies working on it. Uh, Monsanto has some patents on the topic, and uh, it looks promising. And uh, the second um, aspect is related mostly to metabolic resistance because we have now a clear indication that metabolic resistance is often caused by the expression of specific plant enzymes called the cytochrome P450s. And here in Hairi, you have the yeah. world uh, most known experts on cytochrome yeah. P450s. And uh, so I think one possibility would be also to target those specific enzymes that we know are involved in metabolic resistance. And you can basically either use it as a sole application uh, or in mixture with other herbicides as well. And so the idea would be to target the cytochrome P450s in order to prevent metabolic resistance. And I think this is an interesting aspect. Obviously, this comes with a lot of challenges because uh, animals, and including humans, have also uh, P450s. So the selectivity, it's a key issue there. So we want to develop something that is not toxic for uh, for humans. I think, uh, and here I'm not talking on behalf of PSF, these are just my personal thoughts. I think this could be a path for the future also to prevent metabolic resistance to find the inhibitors for uh, cytochrome P450s. Very interesting. It's a very fascinating space. And I think, you know, if anyone's listening who's thinking about getting into this research <laughs> field, you've definitely highlighted in this chat that there's plenty of work well into the future. Do you have any final comments that you'd like to share around our chat today? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's always a pleasure to come to Perth and visit Hari. As I said, here is where I fell in love with uh, herbicide resistance research. And I have uh, so many good colleagues uh, that over the years became also very good friends and I'm planning to visit Perth more and more often in the future so I'll see you again for sure. Thank you so much it's been lovely chatting with you. Bye thank you.